radio personality Deborah Honeycutt, revealing stories from the red carpet to parenthood on three hours of sleep. Doctors recommend eight hours of sleep nightly for proper brain function. Anything less could cause malfunction. And now, on three hours sleep, here's your host, Deborah Honeycutt. Hello there. Thank you for being here. It is uh, Deborah Honeycutt on three hours of sleep. And if you have never joined ever before, came up with that title because I think I do get by. It's on average three hours. And I say that because I think the other day, last week, I slept an hour and a half and then went into work for the morning show on the radio station where I work full time. So if there's a little background as to why I came up. First of all, I couldn't come up with a name. So I thought, well, what's what's my life? Little sleep. OK, there you go. So it was easy to name the, the podcast. Glad you're here. I mentioned my full-time job. Would love for you to listen to the morning show that I'm a part of, Jim, Deb, and Kevin. It's on 95.5 WFMS. You can listen anywhere. Just stream it through our website. It doesn't matter where you are. So whatever works for you. I think we heard from someone not too long ago who lives in Japan, and they tune in and stream the show, and I thought that was so cool. We're coming up on our 20-year anniversary. It's the spring. Actually, I think it's April Fool's Day, as crazy as that sounds that I've worked with Jim and Kevin. And so I've been at the station for a little over 25 years and they've exceeded that. So one's been there like 33 years and Kevin may be coming up on his, his 30th year anniversary. That's crazy to me. Anyways, we have a good time and I hope you can join us uh, Monday through Friday and we're on five until 10 each weekday morning. So today's podcast episode, it's episode 16 titled, You Must Remember This, Five Truths You Won't Forget, Things That I've Learned Over the Years, either from my own experience or from speaking with other people. My favorite one is the last one, so you don't want to miss it. Hang with me until the end. Episode 16, You Must Remember This, Five Truths You Won't Forget. By the way, while you're listening to this, would love for you to jump on Instagram. I'm writing a book. You realize after you've been somewhere for 27 years, and you're talking about, you know, what goes on behind the scenes in radio and what goes on at the big award shows and the red carpet and just in interviewing some of these artists. That involves a lot of chapters, but you can download two chapters of it for free just to get an idea of what it's about. And then you'll be on an email list. So when I'm completely done, you'll be able to be one of the first to know about it. Just go to Instagram. It's Deborah Honeycut Media, and you'll be able to put in your email and get two free chapters. So go ahead and do that maybe while you're listening to the podcast, unless you're driving, of course. So today for episode 16, you must remember this five truths you won't forget. I want to start with, I had a conversation with a a young boy at a Starbucks store just down the road from my house years ago. I'm trying to look when I first wrote this down in my notes. I use those notes on on your Apple phone all the time, but I wrote it down because I I didn't want to forget it. But you know what? I didn't need to write it down. I haven't forgotten it since it happened. This would have been in, oh gosh, 2015. So I had this conversation with this young boy six years ago. I struck up this conversation. He was really a cute kid. He looked like he could have been 11, maybe, maybe 12, but I would say more like 10 or 11 years old. He just happened to mention that he gets in trouble sometimes for messing around. Obviously, he was being kind of silly. And I said, oh, you're awfully fun. And he said, oh, well, I get in trouble all the time for messing around. So I said, well, what does your mom think about that? And his response is the reason I came up with number one on this list. So five truths you won't forget. Number one, we spend too much time on our phones. And let me tell you why. When I asked him what his mom thinks about that, about getting in trouble all the time, this was his response. She doesn't really pay attention. 
she's on her phone a lot. It killed me. I love kids in general, but when I heard that, I thought I felt like he is in need of attention. He's wanting his mom to notice more of what's going on, but he's observing her always on her phone. She doesn't really pay attention. She's on her phone a lot. Doesn't pay attention that he's getting in trouble. So it made me sad. It made me sad and it serves as a reminder about what's important. We all have been that person who's been on our phone too much and I'm just as guilty. You know, I remember I would go to lunch with a friend and it became not a lunch that I enjoyed because every time we were together, she would pick up her phone. You know, if we're having lunch, she would pick up her phone every time it beeped. And I get that you have to check, you know, important stuff or I have a son that, you know, might need to reach me. But sometimes, you know, a phone text or an email or a message can wait. And especially when your kids are involved, you know, it was a reminder for me to when I'm with my children to be engaged, not to just be present, but to be engaging. You know, if you're going to be playing a board game, put your phone away. There was something about the way he said it, very matter of fact, um, and he wasn't afraid to share. I just felt like he was crying out a little bit. So I put this on my Facebook page that day. This would have been November 21st, 2015. And some of the responses back from my adult friends were very interesting. Uh, one of my friends wrote, did it make you want to give him a hug? Another friend who is a male said, you have to look at your phone to hit like on this, but dang, because I think it really got him. Someone else wrote, this makes me sad. Someone else wrote, this is so true, and I'm even guilty sometimes. I've never forgotten that little boy. And think about it, he's driving now. He's If he was 10 or 11 at that time, I'm betting he has his license and is going to be a senior in high school, if not already, and wonder how things are for him now. It was just an interesting comment that he said in passing, but it stuck with me. We spend too much time on our phones. Ouch. Never forgotten him. Number two of the five truths you won't forget. Your wife does not want cash for her birthday. Okay, maybe some of you do. Maybe some of you have gotten some really bad gifts, but this one doesn't. I would like to think that the majority of us don't want cash. So do not, I repeat, do not hand your wife cash for her birthday. And if it sounds like I'm speaking from experience, it's because I am. This may seem like a good idea at first because everybody always says, well, then I can buy what I want. At first are the key words of that statement. And let me tell you someone else who agrees with me, Trace Atkins. Trace was sitting in our studio and witnessed this entire thing. As much as I hated that other people observed this whole situation or experience happened. Trace Atkins, we had an artist in. He was uh, doing a radio tour and talking about his album. And we were doing an interview. And I remember right before this all took place, he and I were having a little off-air discussion. And we were talking about scars. And he was literally lifting up his shirt and showing me a, a scar in his stomach. He had tragically been shot by an ex-wife and it went through like his chest and his lungs and they got into this physical altercation. So anyways, we're comparing scars. No, I didn't have anything that drastic, but he's showing me this. I don't know why, but that's what's happening behind the scenes. And as we're talking, I get a, a message from Greg, my husband, and he says, hey, do you have a minute to come outside? Now, this isn't normal. Like he's normally not just hanging out in the parking lot. It's not close to home. We're about 20 minutes away, the radio station. And I said, well, yeah, but you know, what's going on? He goes, just come out whenever you can, but kind of hurry. 
I knew we were getting ready to go on the air. So I did the break and then I told everybody I'll be right back. And so I run out into the parking lot and he worked for home for the most part, but then he had headquarters for this company in North Carolina. And so I walk up to the driver's side of the car and he goes, listen, I know today is your birthday. I failed to mention that. This is the morning of my birthday. And he said, I know today is your birthday. And you could just see, you know, he felt guilty or whatever. And I said, yeah. He goes, but my boss called and they want me today. I have to go now. And I said, are you kidding me? Greg is a last minute kind of person when it comes to planning. So in his mind, working from home, he would have thought he had all day to purchase my gift. And he had not done so yet. So here he gets this call, has to throw something in a suitcase. And all he could think of was, I haven't bought her gift. So the next best thing in his mind was pulling into the parking lot, asking me to come out of the studio, which I do. And he hands me, I have no other way to say this because this is the truth. He hands me a wad of cash. And he says, since I wasn't able to go shopping, I want you to go buy yourself something really nice. Go buy yourself something really nice. I wish you could see my face. I walk back into the studio. You know, we said our goodbyes. I walk back into the studio and I'm still thinking like, did that just happen? Did we just have that conversation? Did I just get handed a wad of cash? So I'm holding this money and the guys say, is everything okay? And I said, well, everything's fine. I mean, he has to go out of town last minute and it's my birthday. And so he handed me my gift. You know, Chris Trace being, you know, curious says, well, what to get you? And I, I hold up this, this handful of money. And I said, he gave me a wad of cash <laughs> and told me to go buy myself something real nice. And Trace could not believe it. I loved his response. He said, I'm not the most romantic guy, but never given my wife a wad of cash. And of course, we all made fun of the whole thing. Now, let me point out, I can talk about this because this is nothing that I haven't already shared with Greg. And Greg now knows that I will never want cash on my birthday. To me, there's something to be said for going out and putting some thought into your gift. I don't expect a diamond tennis bracelet. I'm very simple. It does not have to be anything fancy. I would take a handwritten card or a handwritten letter and a bouquet of flowers. That would be fine doesn't have to be like a $300 bottle of perfume, nothing like that. But put some thought into it. Put some effort into the gift to show the sentiment behind it. That's how I feel. So that was probably the one time he regrets not shopping ahead. You know, and he really didn't have an argument because if Trace Atkins agrees with me, and like Trace said, he's not the most romantic guy but he's not going to hand somebody a wad of cash. I mean, it wasn't even a gift card form. He handed me dollar bills <laughs> and go buy yourself something nice. No, not recommended. Didn't make for my favorite birthday of all time. Number three on the list of, you must remember this, five truths you won't forget. Number three on the list is you will survive. I say that because there is a quote that I absolutely love that basically means the worst thing in the world could happen. The worst thing, but yet the world keeps spinning and we're still going to be okay. And here's that quote. It's one of my favorites. It was written by author Rion Ellis. And they say, the worst thing in the world can happen, but the next day the sun will come up 
and you will eat your toast and you will drink your tea. It's true. I remember when my dad died, it was the worst thing in the world. I would say to this day, it's still the worst thing in the world that I've ever experienced. I remember being very angry when I went through the drive-thru the morning after he died. And as good customer service representatives do, they try to be very cheery. And they said something like, it's a great day. You know, can I get your order? And I remember being angry because I was thinking, it's not a great day for me. Why are you saying that? But they have no idea what I'm going through. To me, the world stopped spinning when he passed. But that doesn't happen. You know, it happened for me personally in that moment, but not really because the world does keep spinning. The sun keeps coming up. I also remember shopping for a new dress or pantsuit, whatever I wore to the funeral. I don't even remember. But I remember walking into the store and they said to me, are you shopping for a special occasion? And I got angry. Not with them. I mean, I didn't show it. But inside, I remember thinking, why does everybody do this? This is not a special occasion. Why would you even ask me that? So I've always loved this quote because the world does keep spinning. Things keep happening and um, people move on. You know, I kind of mentioned this in the last episode, episode 15 of Words to Live By, Plan for a Train. But I do have an inner belief that I can get through anything. I'm still trying to convince my kids of this. They don't seem to share this optimistic outlook of mine. But as a teenager, I probably also didn't feel this way. You know, at that age, we tend to believe that the world is ending when bad things happen. It's usually the worst thing in the world. And so maybe it was by the time I was in, my, in college or my young 20s, I started feeling that when bad things happen, I can get through anything. Now, you know, the first couple of days after your parents' death, I didn't want to hear that the world keeps turning. But I did know, I did have this inner belief that I was going to be okay. Life changed forever. But I always know deep down that I will figure it out, that I will look for a solution rather than dwelling on the problem. Even as a young mother, I realized that despite being a pretty optimistic person, my verbiage didn't always reflect this. And then I had to change it. So I remember when the kids were young and they would come home from school, I would say to them, I would ask them this question, did you have any problems today? And I realized that I was training their brain to look for a problem, look for an issue, rather than asking Hey, tell me something good that happened today. After doing that for a few weeks, I, I don't know why, but I caught it myself. And I thought, you know, there, there were times where they couldn't come up with one. And I thought, well, why am I asking them to look for a problem when I want to hear the good in their day? So I stopped and I started rewording it a little bit differently. You will survive. May not happen as fast as you would like, but the sun will come up and you will eat your toast and you will drink your tea. I just love that quote. Number four on the list of five truths you won't forget. We yell too much. If you're a parent, you know, I had to ask this myself because there were times where I would get worked up. And I finally had to ask myself, am I making a difference? Because it would usually be something that I was repeating and repeating myself and became very repetitive over and over. Or am I making myself feel better? And if you're really honest with yourself, it's usually you're making yourself feel better because they're tuning us out after a while. They're not even hearing what we're saying. There was one time where I knew as a parent I was angry inside. My son had come to share something with me, and that was my initial reaction, although I didn't verbalize it. But inside, I was totally angry. 
I didn't think he'd made a good decision, but I also appreciated that he was sharing it with me. And I remembered the advice of my friend, Tina. And she said, there are times where how I react is not how I feel, where she would be upset or disappointed in a decision or angry inside. But she knew if she overreacted, then they wouldn't come and share things with her anymore. She gave me this really great advice one day. And she said, always try to soften how you react because it could affect how much they share. I've never forgotten it. So if we're really honest with ourselves, are we satisfying our own needs by totally losing it? Or are we being effective and making a difference? And there was one time when, gosh, I think my kids were little. I, I mean, maybe seven and four. I was at a playground with them at an elementary school just down the road from my house. And there was a father sitting on a park bench with his son. And his son was doing some homework. And we were just a little bit behind the park bench and we were, um, you know, hidden by some trees. And so he couldn't really see that anybody else was there. And the son was having trouble with his homework. The dad went off. I couldn't believe it. And, you know, every part of me wanted to be, you know, intervene and say something. But I also didn't feel like it was my place or my business. We all have our moments. I just remember thinking, gosh, he would make such a big difference if he would have spoken to that kid rather than scream at that kid. The kid was in tears. He was asking for help with his homework, obviously didn't get it. It just wasn't effective. Now, we all have our moments, so I'm not trying to pass judgment. I've actually had Greg pull over before and say, I need to get out of the car. I need to take a deep breath. I need to, I need to go take some steps. It's one of those things where I think that's probably what we need to do, like take a deep breath, walk away, and realize that sometimes we're not doing ourselves any favors. You know, back to that one time where I got upset inside internally with some choices that had been shared with me. And then I didn't overreact. I took a really deep breath and I dug deep and I didn't overreact. That was the same situation where later that evening, my son, who was a preteen at the time, who came to me and said, mom, thank you for listening to me earlier today. It's the only time he's ever done it. He had never said that to me before. But I think he was already afraid to share something. So he appreciated that I didn't lose my cool. And he felt like he could come to me and talk to me. And I, I thought after he thanked me and walked away, I thought it was probably the best thing I could have ever done because maybe that will encourage future conversations. And he has always been the type to share and confide in me. So one of those things, it's hard to do in the moment. It's really hard to do in the moment. We all get worked up. Everybody's guilty of that. But taking a deep breath, feeling it on the inside, but not showing it on the outside, talking things through. When you can communicate that way, it can be very, very effective. I don't care if it's with kids or adults or whatever. But number four on this list of five truths you won't forget, we yell too much. I really do believe that. Keeping your cool goes a long way. Number five on this list, it's my favorite because we all have it. So number five on the list of five truths you won't forget is you need to unpack your suitcase. Now, I'm the first to admit, I'm not an unpacker in the literal sense. I can return home from a trip um, where I've been gone for several days and I can still leave my clothes in the suitcase for another week and not unpack for days. Guilty, do it all the time. It's just not at the top of my priority list. I can find four or five other things that need to be done before I'm packing from a trip. I have friends that are not like that. Greg is not like that. He would rather come home 
and unpack immediately. Like you get a badge or something for being the first to unpack. But I'm just not that way. But I'm not talking about your literal suitcase. I'm talking about emotional baggage. We need to unpack that. I talked about this when I spoke for the local school district here where I live. Because what happens is we tend to overstuff our suitcase of emotional baggage. Here's a little bit more of that talk so you can understand what I'm talking about. Listen to this. You know, I brought this up here on stage tonight because we all carry one. And we drag it around with emotions from years and years ago. And it weighs us down. We stuff every zipper and every crevice with items from years gone by that we'll never use again. It serves us no purpose. I'm talking fear and anxiety, failed relationships, difficult decisions. It's all stuffed in that suitcase. But there's one problem with that. We stuff all of those things in from year after year. We drag it with us everywhere we go. And the one problem with that is there's no room for the good that is yet to come. There's no place to put it. So I'm inviting you all with all of our chaotic moments in life to unpack your suitcase. Start pulling things out. Start making room for the good things that are going to come along. We all have those moments where we feel really heavy because we're dragging all of this stuff along the journey in life with us. But it's okay to pull things out and say, you know what, I've been through that. I don't need it anymore. I'm going to make room for other things. So number five on the list of five truths you won't forget. You need to unpack your suitcase. I remember after I sat down from giving that talk, uh, the person sitting next to me was someone who works for the school system. And he leaned over and he goes, oh, my gosh, that suitcase. That suitcase, which I had brought a literal physical suitcase up on stage with me. And he said, I have that suitcase. I know exactly what you're talking about. I've been carrying it around. I thought that was interesting that he shared that. Because we all have one. We all have emotional baggage. But you have to unpack. You don't have to do it right away. You don't have to do it right when you get home. But eventually, you have to unpack. You know what it's like when you get on an airplane and you're trying to find an overhead compartment that's not already filled. Usually by the time I get on a plane, and I don't even like to fly, the couple of times I have to for work each year, there's already a, a compartment above my seat and it's already been filled. So rather than trying to cram more stuff, more past lessons in places that we really don't have room for anymore, carry only what you need. All that other stuff really serves no purpose. So start unpacking. Now, speaking of things we don't need, I have forgotten to give you the update in the last couple of episodes. Remember that weight machine that my husband, it was last February, left in our living room. This is the what I call the formal living room where the baby grand is and they've got the couch and the furniture in there that no one uses. I don't know why we have it, but it's right there in the front. It's a weight machine, one of those like universal machines that was donated to us. And we barely got it in the house. We tried to fit it down into our basement and it took off a kitchen drawer. And um, it also almost ripped off our, our actual basement door. So we had to regroup and we just told the boys from the football team that were being paid to help us move it. Just, you know, put it in the living room for now. We know you have other places to be. We're going to have to rethink this. We can't fit it down there right now. It'll probably have to be taken apart. All the bolts need to come off and, and take down in parts. So that was last February. Now, keep in mind, it was here for months, months. And I, I said I would give you an update. The update is 
it's still there. It is still there. It is November. I just got a text message from my younger sister this afternoon and said, Deb, are you still good for hosting Thanksgiving, which I've done the last few years? And the whole time I'm thinking, we use that room. We use that room. We set up tables in that room. We've got the dining room table. We've, I mean, it just we use that area for seating. And now I've got a huge universal weight machine in there and it's still there. So I've given my husband a deadline and the deadline is you have until the 20th. Now, as of this taping, 7th of November, the countdown is on. This will not end well if I have to host Thanksgiving and serve turkey and pumpkin pie next to a weight machine that belongs in a gym or at the very least, our basement. So there's a latest. I'll let you know next week. If it happens, I'm not feeling good about it. I'm going to tell you that much. Not feeling even slightly hopeful. Not far from a year that it sat there. A sliver of hope, barely. That's all I got. Don't forget, Deborah Honeycutt Media on Instagram. Get two chapters of the book that I'm writing. Just got to put your email address in. It's super easy to do. So check that out. It's over on Instagram. Also, feel free to email me at any time, Media at gmail.com. Would love your feedback. Remember, the worst thing in the world can happen. But the next day, the sun will come up, and you will eat your toast, and you will drink your tea. Also, do not give your wife cash for her birthday. If you come away with anything from this, do not give your wife cash for her birthday. It's Deborah Honeycutt on three hours of sleep. Hope you have a great day. Bye.